Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. We learn to have no fear of the demands of discipleship because the Holy Spirit lives in us. So in other words, when God asks us to do something, He will always equip us, enable us, empower us to do it. Jesus says, I want you to go. You're an extension of me. Do these things as you go. As you go, do these things. Many of us would be rather uncomfortable if we were given an important task without receiving any training or knowledge on how to do so. For many of us, the idea of being called to ministry is an intimidating responsibility that we often shy away from. However, in today's message, Pastor Mark encourages us by teaching us how God provides everything we need to answer His call to ministry. In our study, we learn that as disciples of Christ, each of us are called to further God's kingdom through ministry and sharing the gospel with others. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark as he continues his message entitled, Enabled, Equipped, and Empowered to Go. that God uses ordinary people who are enabled, equipped, and empowered to go and serve. Now, as you write these notes, some of the seven are long, some are short. You can skip the first two words, as disciples. I just want to remind you, if you're a Christian, you're in this process called discipleship. So these lessons, you should be learning I should be learning. In other words, I have to be reminded today that God just uses ordinary people. Who are that? That's me. That's every one of you. But he uses us, and then he equips us, which is the title of our teaching. He enables us, and he empowers us to go and do incredible, extraordinary things. Not because of us, but because of God in us. I learned that all through the Bible. God just takes average people, that's who we are, average, ordinary people, puts his spirit in them, and amazing things happen. The disciples will see this as they go. Look at verse 5. The 12 Jesus sent out with the following instructions. So he just doesn't say go, he's going to give them some instructions. And notice how very specific they are. Do not go among the Gentiles... Do not enter any town of the Samaritans. All right, let's think about this so you make, make sense to you. We have Jews and we have Gentiles. The Samaritans were a mixture, Jew and Gentile. So he says, don't go to the Gentiles. 
in those Decapolis and whatever. Don't go to the Samaritan people, kind of there in the center of Israel. I want you to only go to the Jews. Verse 6. Go rather, so he defines it even more, go rather to the what? Lost what? Sheep, same thing we talked about. Go to the lost sheep of Israel. The, the harvest is plenty. The, the Jews are there. They're sheep without a shepherd. They're lost. Religion has got them off track. They don't know what to do. You go to those sheep, those Jews. Lesson number two. If I'm a disciple, if you're a disciple, we learn to fully obey God. You see, I'm... Probably Peter's thinking this. We don't know it, and I'm just kind of surmising. Peter hears this, and he thinks to himself, well, wait a minute. Jesus, we're supposed to be like you? You've already gone and ministered to some Gentiles. Why can't I go minister to some Gentiles? Well, I'll get to the Jews, but I want to minister to some Gentiles. Jesus says, no. Very specific. In this mission, only Jews. Now, as you look at that, you've got to go, Why? Well, I'll show you why in a moment. But here's a principle. The Bible is filled with specific instructions from God. Now, some things are gray, and we, we have different ways you can do that. Romans 13 and 14 tell us how to do that. We don't judge other people. But some things are very specific. For instance, do not commit adultery. You can't have sex before marriage. You can't be sleeping together before marriage. You can't be living together. Income tax is coming in a few months. You can't cheat on your income tax and call yourself a Christian. It's not gray, it's black and white. And there's plenty of these things there. And here's the principle I want you to see, and I want you to actually write it down today. To obey God in our timing is disobedience. So Peter might have said this. Peter might have said this. I'm going to go and, well, I'm going to visit some Gentile friends first, God, but then, then I'll go do the Jews. No, that's disobedience. That's absolutely disobedience. We must do exactly what God tells us to do. So remember, our timing has to be God's timing. And when he says, do this, do that, do the other, then we do it. So Jesus was sending these men out on a a short-term mission only to the Jews. Later, this would be changed. Now, why the Jews only? Well, here's why. It was a matter of priority. Paul would write it like this. I am, in Romans 1.16, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God for salvation for everyone who believes first to the Jew and then to the Gentile. You see, in the Old Testament, when God formed a nation called Israel, he said to the nation of Israel, I want you to be my representative to the pagan world. See, the pagan world was... Well, there were Gentiles who had many, many, many gods. The main message that the Jews were supposed to represent to these pagan nations was this. There's only one God. There's only one. And you need to worship that one true God. Well, did the Jews accomplish that as a representative? No. In fact, they had a bunch of other gods. They began to serve pagan gods themselves. So they failed. So here in the New Testament, Jesus is taking this incredible principle, and he says, uh, I want you to go to your people, because they still don't get it. They don't understand that I am the Messiah. Now, this is an amazing thing. Last night, an individual came to me, and he said, uh, on Christmas Eve, 
God got me. I said, good. He said, I'm Jewish. But I become a believer in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. So what happens is when they're going to go to these Jewish people, Jesus had a reason. Here's the reason. Let's say, and of course in this room, we're almost all Gentile. Few Jews. I'll explain that in a moment. Just follow me because it's very important you understand what I'm going to say. Jesus said, go to the Jews. What was the message that the disciples were to preach? Well, here's what it was. That there is a Messiah promised in the Old Testament books, and he has come. He's setting up his kingdom. His name's Jesus. Now, if you're a Gentile, how many times did you read the Old Testament? You don't even know what the Old Testament is. You never even heard about Jesus. So if I go to you with the gospel initially... And I say, hey, the Messiah's come. You know the one Isaiah wrote about? Say what? You never... So, what's happening? Jesus is sending his people, his disciples, to his people who know they have history. They have an understanding of what's going to take place. He's hoping to give them the opportunity to take the gospel forward. By the way, did the Jewish people take the gospel forward? Well, as a whole, no, but as a small group, yes. These 12 that we're reading here, one person changed, we added another one at the day of Pentecost. They were the 12 original apostles who took the gospel and turned the world, the Greek world, upside down. They took the message. That's why you and I are here this morning, because of that. Now, how many Jewish people become disciples of Christ today? Lots or few? Tell me. Few. Few. So the nation, the nation of Israel is a very key nation. Let me ask you this morning. What do you think is going to ever happen to the Jewish people? What do you think is ever going to happen to Israel? Is this message of the gospel going to ever get to the Jewish people? Oh, yes, it is. By the way, many Jews now become Christians. But there isn't a time that the Jewish people are going to come to Christ in mass. You know when that is? It's during the seven-year period of tribulation. You see, there's an understanding today. By the way, did anybody hear a... Well, have anybody heard anything about Hamas this week? Yeah, much. Now, what do we mean by that? Well, there's a lot of people that say, God isn't interested in the Jewish people anymore, and Israel is not his country. That's a lie. If you missed the tape on Wednesday night, you weren't here, you want to get the tape. Because we talked to you about that Israel is God's nation. And you know what? In time, God is going to bring, he's already done that. He's brought the people back from all over the world. And in time, there's going to be this incredible, well, this incredible, miraculous restoration of the nation of Israel. And it's going to be 100% Jewish you say, well, I, I can't see that happening. It's going to happen. It's promised in the Bible. And the land has always been Israel's. We're not against Arab people, but the land has always been Israel. You heard what Hamas said. Uh, what did they say this week? We're not backing down. We're not even going to speak to Israel. Well, all this is doing, understand, guys, the reason I'm saying I'm going into this a little bit of detail this morning is because we're near the end of time. 
This is going to happen toward the end of time. The last seven years before the thousand years reign of Christ. This this is going to happen right to this time. The Antichrist is involved. And what's going to take place is this. That there's going to be incredible war to destroy the people of Israel. You say, well, where's that war going to come from? Well, the, the Bible tells us in Ezekiel 36 and 37, it's going to come from the north. You know who the north is? Russia. Do you know that many of the countries of Russia now are Arab? And it's going to come from Russia. It's also going to come from China. I thought those were peace-loving people. Get ready. You say, I don't believe any of this. Then you're going to be shocked. God is lining all this up. During the seven years, God's going to witness and the people, the Jewish eyes, in mass are going to be opened. And they're going to come to the Lord. They're going to say, he is the Messiah. It's coming. It's going to happen. Now, if you're a Christian, you're not going to be here. You're gone in the the rapture. Hallelujah. You say, I don't understand any of this. Let me tell you something to learn. I did a five-week teaching, just five one-hour teachings on the book of Revelation. Covered the whole book of Revelation in five weeks. You can get it. You need to learn about it. So Jesus says, just go to the Jews. Of course, today we go to the whole world. We just don't go to the Jews. That's why I said to you, it was only for that particular time. Well, as they go, what are they going to say? Look at verse 7. As you go, preach this message. The kingdom of heaven is near. Have we ever heard that before? Yes, from John the Baptist and from Jesus. Then he says, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Whoa. Put yourself there. Look at the demands of that. How in the world can I drive out a demon? I saw Jesus do it, but me? This is lesson number three. We learn to have no fear of the demands of discipleship because the Holy Spirit lives in us. So in other words, when God asks us to do something, he will always equip us, enable us, empower us to do it. Jesus says, I want you to go. You're an extension of me. Do these things as you go. As you go, do these things. Preach the message of salvation and then minister to the people. Well, how does that happen? He doesn't send them out on a mission and say, well, sir, I'm not equipping you. Go for it. No, he equips us. How does he equip us? First John 4, 4. He says, you're, go- you're going into spiritual warfare. You're going against Satan. I'm going against Satan? Yeah, but not you. God in you. 1 John 4, 4, greater is he that lives in me, God, than he that lives in the world. Jesus and God and the Holy Spirit always trump Satan. So I don't have to be afraid. Acts 1, 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. Remember, that's the Jews. That's the Samaritans. And to the ends of the earth, that's the Gentiles. This was a simple mission for the Jews, but later it would be to the whole world. God gave them, Jesus gave them, Authority or delegated power. The disciples didn't have it without Jesus, and the miracles wouldn't happen, but as they go, the power of God working through them would authenticate their preaching. Now, there's plenty of people today that say to us, well, the gifts of the Spirit are here. We don't need the power of the Spirit. We can just go and, and, you know, preach the gospel and do our things in our own strength. That's absolutely wrong. You and I must be filled with the power of God. It isn't weirdness. It's God's power, it's God's ability in me and in you. When I get ready to teach, I need the anointing of God. 
I need God's power on me. I need to see who's here in the spirit and God directs me as I use my words during this hour teaching. And see, if the anointing isn't there, you just leave going, what man, should just stay at home. But if the anointing is there and his word is powerful, by the way, sometimes the anointing isn't there because I'm just a, you got it. And all of us as pastors, don't we, Bruce, know what that's like sometimes. But you know what the promise I have with that? It's okay because his word's always powerful. It's as sharp as a two-edged sword. It, this morning, it's just going into some of you. And people all come, come up to me after service. How do you know what I was thinking? My husband tell you? No, I don't even know your husband. Somebody better than your husband. God did. And I don't even know what you're talking about, so Relax. But God does. See, the anointing breaks the yoke, we call it. Breaks that bondage. There's spiritual warfare in this room right now. And that's why we ask people, don't move. If your kids are fussing in the back, sit in your seat. Don't have them on the floor. Don't do that. Turn your cell phones off. Because we are already hearing from God. You don't need to have your cell phone on. Is that right? Spiritual stuff's happening. And as that goes on, there's warfare in here. And so Jesus says to them, well, you're going to receive this incredible power. And you go out. Well, actually, he said to them later, he said to these 12 exact people, he said, I'm going to send you into the world now. He had been risen from the dead. But he says, you can't go until you go to Jerusalem. And you've got to be in the upper room. And you're going to be filled with my power. Then you can go. They had to obey again. The timing had to be right. They couldn't go right out. They had to be filled with that same power. For you and I, it's exactly the same. We need that enabling, and we need that power. Now, here's lesson number four. We learn the difference between God's ability and our availability. You see, the disciples had been watching and listening to Jesus. Now they were being challenged to do like Jesus. This was a team effort. Even though they were going to be physically apart from him, they were a representative of him. They were representing him. And yet he was, even though physically they were apart, he was still with them. You see, it's the same with us today. We work together with God as a team. But the thing we have to recognize, it's our availability and it's God's ability. John 15, 5 says it like this. I'm the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, oh, he will bear much fruit. Good stuff will happen. But apart from me, you can't do anything. So if I team up with God in his timing and do his thing, great things happen. But if I try to go out of my own ability without God, nothing of spiritual value happens. Now, When Jesus started calling followers, let's just take this group as an example this morning. Jesus just finished and he said, come follow me. Well, all of us begin to follow Jesus. We like what's happening. We're excited. We follow him on the road. Well, over time, all of us, we're we're disciples, we're followers. Jesus began to explain a little bit what it would mean to continue to follow. He would say things like this. Deny yourself. Take up your cross. Follow me. So he began to put some demands on discipleship. See, it's not like, well, you can do your thing and whenever you decide to become a disciple, cool, follow your own wishes. No, 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 no. He changed. That's not going to happen. You're going to have to do it my way. 
Well, as he explained that, actually in the Bible, here's what we find. Watch this. Jesus one day gave those demands of following him. And all of us, before the demands came, we were followers. And when he said, you're going to have to do this, this, and this, and this, you know at the end of that little meeting he had, you know how many in this building were still here? The three rows. Everybody else left. We see that all through the Bible. They weren't willing to pay the cost. So what do I mean by that? The only way we're any good for God is if we're available. All these other people, all of you, if you left, you're not available anymore. You can't be used by God. God can only use available people. Are you available for God? Oh, Pastor Mark, I, I can fit him in next Tuesday, and uh, there's a little time on Thursday, but pretty much my week's, man, it's booked. Sorry. He doesn't take those kind of disciples. See, you can't say, I'll follow you, but... And then to fill in the line. That doesn't mean we abandon our families because being a disciple of Christ, after God, your family comes first. Let me ask you this morning, are you available? Pastor, are you talking about full-time ministry? Well, yeah, because you're all full-time ministers. Every one of us. So... That's what the disciples are going to see. The only ones that he has initially here, the ones that are really ready to watch, ready to step out, are these 12. And he's going to use them because they're available. But he's not going to use their ability. It's God's ability in them. That's the thing that makes the difference. You as a disciple... Well, he told us we have to put him first. We know how this works. Look in Philippians chapter 2. I have it right here for you. Dear friends... Paul would say this, you're always so careful to follow my instructions when I was with you. And now that I am going away, you must be even more careful to put into action God's saving work in your lives, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. Then look what he says. For God, speaking to disciples, is, well, God's working in you. And he gives you the desire to obey him and the power to do what pleases him. You say, well, I know that every person in this room that's a Christian, a disciple, wants to please God. I know that. Well, how can it happen? It says here, God will, will even give you to change the wonder. Maybe, and as I said right now this morning, I challenge you with that statement. Am I available? Ooh, some, but, well, maybe not some. Well, God says, I'm alive in you. Just acknowledge me. I'll give you the desire to be available. Pray that prayer tomorrow morning. See, God says, I'm giving you gifts of service. I'm giving you time. I'm giving you money. I'm giving you energy. Now, I've given you also my Holy Spirit to live in you. You're equipped. You're enabled. You're empowered. Now, go for it. But I have to have you. I have to have your attention. I have to have your mind. I have to have your heart. It's not this religious deal. I put on my religious coat for Sunday. And as soon as you're out of here, I take it off. And I go back to my thing. Never can't be a follower that way. You haven't learned correctly. Being called to ministry can be just as exciting as it can be intimidating. Whether we're natural introverts, socially shy, or simply too hard on ourselves, we can often come up with more reasons why we shouldn't, rather than we should. In today's edition of Lessons for Living, Pastor Mark taught us how God gives us the strength ability and knowledge we need when we take a step of faith and answer his call. Social media is a huge blessing that most of us use every day. We want to encourage you to become our Facebook friend and follow our Twitter feed. 
At the Facebook page and Twitter feed, we post information about upcoming events, discipleship articles, and encouraging quotes that will inspire you in your walk with Jesus. Log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the links to the Calvary Chapel Melbourne Facebook page and Twitter feed, or simply search for Calvary CCM on Facebook or Twitter. We even have a specific Facebook page for the Vieira campus. Simply search for Calvary CCM and you'll see the Vieira Campus Facebook page in the search results. Again, to like our Facebook page and subscribe to our Twitter feed, log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Again, our web address is LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Many of us are caught up in the hustle and bustle of life simply trying to make ends meet. The idea of being called to ministry can sometimes bring more anxiety than it can joy or excitement. In the next edition of Lessons for Living, Pastor Mark will encourage us to open our hearts and minds to ministry, no matter how busy we might be. In the message, we'll learn how God faithfully meets our needs when we make ourselves available to His call. You've been listening to Lessons for Living with Pastor Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Please join us again here on Lessons for Living, and together, let's do life right. seen and our ears have heard his word made flesh in a herd